0: drawing room over here you made it i come on through do you fancy drink what's your tipple it's a terrible truth that from conflict often comes innovation if it wasn't for world war ii you wouldn't have mass-produced penicillin, jet engines, electronic computers, and life-saving blood plasma transfusions. In a globalised world, innovation from conflict is now an export industry, and the tools and technologies developed in one Middle East conflict are being sold to other countries across the globe. That's according to journalist and writer Anthony Lowenstein. His new book is The Palestine Laboratory. Welcome to you, Anthony.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I want to go back to to your history a little bit. Several of your family members perished at the hands of the Nazis. Your grandparents managed to flee Nazi Germany and Austria in 1939 and came to Australia as refugees. How did this upbringing in Melbourne with that history shape who you are now?
1: I think a lot. I think for many Jewish people listening and friends who have Jews will know it's a fairly sadly typical story. Most of my family were killed in the Holocaust, actually many in Auschwitz. Uh, the ones who did got out, get out in 39 went to wherever they could get a visa, so Australia, Canada, US. And the ones I think who came to Australia back then at least, Israel was not something they thought about every day. It wasn't the centre of their lives. But it was expected that you would support Israel. Israel was not so much the homeland for them, but this idea of a safe haven. God forbid something happened again, just for listeners that don't know. As a Jew, I can go to Israel tomorrow. And if I can prove that my mother was Jewish and I was born Jewish, I can, I can essentially um, get a passport within two or three months. And when I was growing up, um, we used to talk sometimes about Israel, you know, on the Sabbath dinner on Friday nights, and Israel was something that you believed in, you supported. I used to hear that. I, didn't, I went to a non-Jewish school, but at Sunday school in preparation for my bar mitzvah when I was 13, Israel was, there wasn't room for criticism. Palestinians were demonised. There was no real space for any kind of critical thought. And as years went on, I guess I felt uncomfortable about that. I'd never been there before. I only went there for the first time in 2005 when I was researching my first book, My Israel Question. But it really struck me that as years went on, there was this blind tribalism that exists in not just the Australian Jewish community. Of course, there are critics. Of course, there's other voices. I'm not the only one. But in general, there is this tribalism that exists that does not allow the humanity of Palestinians to exist. And the impact of that is that many Jewish diasporas, the US obviously being the main one in the world, has offered over the last seven plus decades uncritical support for Israel, without which there would not be the current situation. So for me, it was quite... Instrumental and but also brought a lot of pain and trauma because when I started writing about this 20 odd years ago, there was a personal price. My parents lost most of their Jewish friends. I'm not saying that to be a victim, but simply to explain that there is not still a lot of space in the Jewish community, although it's changing, for critical voices on this question.
0: See, I think that's an important context for us to be able to talk about your book. And in your book, you quote some pretty big statistics. And I quote, Israeli arms sales in 2021 were the highest on record, surging 55% over the previous two years to $11.3 billion US dollars. This isn't just your old, usual old-fashioned hardware that we're talking about here. What do you mean? What sorts of technologies and materials and expertise is involved in that figure?
1: So many things. So what Israel has done for 56 years now, which is the length of its occupation, of the West Bank, Gaza, and East Jerusalem, it's one of the longest occupations in modern times, to maintain that occupation, to control what they regard as an enemy population, the Palestinians have had to develop a range of tools and technologies to do that. So what does that mean? Everything from sophisticated intelligence gathering in the modern age, spyware, smart walls, facial recognition technology, biometric data... And all that is put into a a sophisticated system which essentially controls what they regard as a Palestinian insurgency or Palestinian resistance, peaceful principally. But what Israel has done in that period is increasingly export those technologies around the world to literally, as I discovered in the writing of this book, at least 130 countries around the world. So the majority of countries in the world are selling a form of that technology to democracies and dictatorships. So that figure you just quoted from 2021, which is the latest figure that we have is a combination of things from missile defence shields to spyware. Some listeners will remember Pegasus, the spyware technology. Yeah, that,
0: that is the one that really stands out to mm. me. And when you look down the list of countries that that uh, software has been employed domestically, I mean, it's everywhere from Poland to, you know, the Eastern Bloc to the Saudi Arabia. I mean, uh, Khashoggi's phone, yes. a Saudi Arabian journalist, was hacked using Pegasus. And his
1: family, his wives, absolutely.
0: So it can't be underestimated the power of these tools. Pegasus really stands out, but there are others, aren't there? Talk to me about some of the other types of software or techniques that you say are being sold by the Israeli government to foreign actors.
1: All these countries that Pegasus has appeared in, everywhere from UAE to Saudi Arabia to countless other places, is essentially used by Israel as a diplomatic tool. So Netanyahu, the current Prime Minister, the Mossad, the Israeli intelligence services have gone around the world in the last 10, 15 years and holding those tools out as a carrot. I have evidence in the book, huge amounts of evidence to show that when Netanyahu goes to country X or the Mossad goes to country Y, within 6 or 12 months they're often then using that spyware. I'm talking about UAE, Saudi, Rwanda, dictatorships. So when Israel talks about, as a self described the only democracy in the Middle East, firstly it's not true if you're I'm not Jewish, and obviously I say that as someone Jewish, because they're exporting repressive tools around the world, including in their own region to the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, the list goes on and on to repress their own people. So this really is what I show in the book is that the occupation has become exported. So when Israel talks about being, as I said, a self-described democracy, there are countless people around the world, and of course including Palestinians within those borders, that have felt what that means in a practical sense, and it's brutal.
0: I want to push you a little further on your claim about uh, these sorts of techniques or technologies being battle-tested, quote, on Palestinians. What do you mean by this? What, What evidence do you have to back up that claim?
1: So there's huge amounts of examples of Israeli government officials and private Israeli defence companies selling this kind of equipment and in their marketing material, people can Google this, marketing material, posters, ads, videos, etc. They're showing these weapons being used in Palestine drones, for example, over Gaza, Um, facial recognition technology across the West Bank, biometric tools across the West Bank. And when I use the term battle-tested, it means that it's often being tested on Palestinians, literally in the West Bank or Gaza or East Jerusalem. And often you have Israeli officials, they're not shy in saying this, it's literally openly said, because that's a marketing tool, as I might add the US was doing in Iraq and Afghanistan, After 9-11, the US used huge amounts of new weapons in those conflicts and then sold those around the world to say they were battle-tested. The West isn't currently doing that in Ukraine. Right now, in the last year and a half since the Russian invasion, many of these tools and technologies that they're selling to Ukraine are being tested in Ukraine as we speak against the Russians. So Israel, on one level, is not unique in doing that. The difference is that Israel has literally on its doorstep Uh, a captured population. Millions and millions of Palestinians, West Bank, Gaza, East Jerusalem. So there are huge examples of all these tools to the point where, for example, on the US-Mexico border, some of the key surveillance technology that the US is using is Israeli surveillance towers by the leading Israeli defence company, Elbert. Why does the US give Elbert that contract? Because it's been used in the West Bank and along the Gaza border. Why does the EU use Israeli unarmed drones across the Medi- above the Mediterranean, surveilling refugees to the point where the EU is deliberately, this is a, obviously an EU decision, not an Israeli decision, and deciding to literally let people drown and the ones who they rescue, which is very few these days, they're giving to the Libyan Coast Guard. So again, this is an EU decision there, but ultimately they're using Israeli drones that have been tested above Gaza and used above Gaza. And the EU and these companies openly admit that.
0: If you just joined me on RN Drive, uh, Anthony Lowenstein is my guest. We're talking about his new book, The Palestine Laboratory. I want to ask you about the impact of the pandemic on surveillance technology products. As we all experience, we spend a lot more time on digital devices and communicating. Was this a bit of a boom time for these types of industries, particularly coming from Israel?
1: Hugely. In fact, as soon as the pandemic started really in a serious way in early twenty twenty, some of the key Israeli defence companies, Elbert, NSO Group, the guys behind Pegasus, imagine how they could transition to at least assist, so they claimed, within Israel and globally. And there's lots of evidence that these companies were not just selling surveillance technology to within Israel itself, but also across the globe. Now the danger of this is that they would say, well we're just trying to help people be healthy and stay safe and not get COVID. Okay, sure. But ultimately with say NSO group, the guys behind Pegasus, they are there's evidence to suggest that they were showing testing on Subjects in repressive regimes today had sold their Pegasus tool to to show how they could also apparently protect people from COVID. In other words, how do you believe a company whose major modus operandi is to promote surveillance technology in also protecting you from COVID? I find that, and I think a lot of people would find that pretty problematic. And I think more importantly, I think it goes to the heart of what many of us were concerned about during COVID was that The surveillance tools that were used by many, many states, often in justified ways, I'm not saying there was no need for any surveillance whatsoever, has now become normalized. In other words, those sort of tools, facial recognition in many countries, biometric data, this is going to continue post the COVID era, so to speak. And Israeli technology is one key part of that. And again, it always comes back to the same thing, Andy. This these Companies are mostly staffed by veterans of the Israeli Defence Forces. They got this experience after years and years of working against Palestinians in the West Bank or Gaza or East Jerusalem. And it's then sold and promoted around the world as battle-tested. And again, what I guess disturbs me, and I'm not the only one who's concerned about this, is without some kind of serious regulation, and the EU is currently, for example, floating with the idea they should float much harder, frankly, to ban spyware. Entirely. Israeli spyware, all kind of spyware. Very few governments want to give up spyware. The, Israel- the Australian government, just to be clear, uses Israeli spyware. Celebrite, a very prominent, although not very well-known, Israeli company. I looked on the Tender website just yesterday, in fact, and there's been, in the last 12 years, 128 contracts with Celebrite, a company which has been working with the repressive regime in China, Russia and elsewhere, they're using it on the ATO uses it, Services Australia uses it, and there's actually growing not just awareness of why this company is being used here with this kind of shoddy record, but also accountability. No one's really not enough people, I would argue, are, are a wondering why countless government but departments in Australia are using a company with a really deeply disturbing record.
0: Is there any other evidence of these types of Israeli? Uh, spyware products being used more broadly in Australia? Has, have we been caught red-handed reaching out and using them on foreign actors, for example?
1: There are a lot of Israeli companies, surveillance companies, that have been at least trialling certain or at least trying to show off certain technologies. There's one company called Toka, T-O-K-A, which is founded by Edward Barak, the former Prime Minister of Israel. And this is a technology which essentially allows one to hack CCTV cameras. In other words, you know, buildings and companies and governments have CCTV cameras and you can play the footage back and it shows whatever it shows. What this technology does, it allows you to A, change the footage and reshoot it. Pretty powerful stuff. Now, there's no evidence so far that I can find that this has been bought by any Australian government department. But you could see the appeal of why it would be attractive to some, not just malevolent actors, but also Awadagi government departments or certainly intelligence agencies.
0: Anthony Lowenstein, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. His new book, The Palestine Laboratory, is out now through Scribe. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.